The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And now, Free Kicks. Free Kicks. With Illinois Youth Soccer Association's Director of Coaching, Adam Howarth and Rick Kemper. So here we are for another episode of Free Kicks. I believe this is our 21st episode. So uh, we are uh, we are making some progress, Adam. That's great. That's great. You Over know, 20. Go ahead. I said over 20. That's good. People yeah. must like us. At least we haven't been kicked off yet. Exactly. We haven't been fired yet. Um, I was looking. Uh, one of the things that interests me is I, I, I get the sense that the Premier League is starting to catch on a little bit here in America. And I get that sense by watching kids, kids wearing uh, jerseys, listening to my own son who who's into it now with his buddies and they taunt each other about their Premier League teams. Um, but I was curious just to see what kind of ratings it's getting. And so I looked it up today. Let me see here what we got here. Can you guess around the average number of viewers that uh, the NBC broadcasts get? Ooh. Yeah, it, it's, that's too tough. That's too hard for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough to kind of guess. It gets uh, 837,000 uh, viewers a week. Okay. Which is excellent, which is up nearly 8% from the first uh, 10 broadcasts of last year. Really? So, so it is, to, and that's the NBC game, which is, you know, the one game a week that they they focus on. But even on uh, NBC Sports Network, they're averaging mm-hmm. about 500,000 viewers a game. And on Univision, um, and any time that there's a men's national team game or a women's national team game, we're talking over a million viewers routinely. Wow. 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 That is really good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy. You know, let's do our part and continue to promote uh, the Premier League because uh, it is, to me, all right, let me give you another uh, TV moment. So on Sunday, <laughs> um, on Sunday there was a Man U game on on TV, and then the Bears game started. Right, and I'm a you know yeah. big Chicago Bears fan, and have been for many years. NFL. Yeah, I stayed with the Man U game instead of switching over to the Bears game until I was certain that that was a, a done deal. Wow, that's so how much. Yeah, that's great. That's All great. Right. And the Bears are better this year, too. So that's yes, even exactly. even. There you go. <laughs> All right. Great. So let's uh, let's find out what's happening on the pitch. Premier League football. What's happening on the pitch? All right. So speaking of the NFL, I don't know if uh, you were as bothered by this as I was. Uh, but yesterday, we're taping this on Tuesday. I know it's not going to uh, be posted for a couple of days, but... Uh, the Man City Tottenham game, which was Adam's TV tip uh, yeah. last week, and uh, featured two of the best teams in the Premier League playing in the biggest stadium in England, um, was a really distracting and disappointing game in my mind. And for the reason that I feel that way is because the NFL had played there the day before, and all the NFL lines were still there, and the pitch was destroyed. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a tough game to watch. I mean, the quality and the level of the play was, you know, average to say the least. And I think that was partly because of the field. It was not good. 
and I know we talked a little bit about it before. It's, it was like watching uh, soccer in the at the beginning of the MLS days and the old NASL. Yeah, back in the back in the day where you'd see those lights, and you know it was funny when they scored the goal. You know it was a it was a long it was a long uh, goal kick forward. It's like a good forward pass from the quarterback, <laughs> and he scored from and the, and even the uh, English commentators were yeah, and he tapped it in from the ten yard line. So it was <laughs> it was kind of funny that they were using the lines on the field as a relation to what was going on. But yeah, it's just very distracting, disturbing. Tottenham needs to get into their stadium as yeah. soon as they possibly can. I know it's they've been delayed, and there's not a lot they can really do about it. But yeah, it was that was a tough game to watch. It, it really was, it, and, and it really did remind me of those NASL days where, you know, at least there wasn't a pitcher's mound, right, where they had to like <laughs> run around a pitcher's mound. But I used to go to the games uh, when the Chicago Sting were were yeah. very good in the early '80s. I'd go to those games at uh, Comiskey Park or at Wrigley Field, and right. you know it. It was there was like they were playing on the infield, you know the yeah. the baseball infield. <clears throat> yeah. Which no question? Well, I'll tell you a funny story. So I know when I one of my first college games when I was coaching uh, uh, back in early the early two thousands, uh, we played DePaul University, and if you know DePaul University. They play there right by the uh, right by the L, and their field is basically also converts into a softball field. But back then, it was there was in the corner was the clay of the infield. Yeah. So we played on that soccer field. Since then, now they've actually kind of repaired it and they've made it in a turf and they kind of repair everything. But yeah, I remember we would I, when I saw it, I, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, we're going to play on this field. There's going there's clay in the corner. So every time we went into that corner, we you kind of step down a level and you're playing on this clay infield. But it was yeah, all yeah. it it was crazy. It was always our well attended game because we always counted all the people on the L. So we always said that was ten thousand people <laughs> at the game. So it was always good. Well, you know that that was standard <laughs> when I was a kid growing up in America. We played soccer. In the starting in the late '60s, in the '70s, you know there were no there were no soccer pitches. That you know you always right. were playing on fields that had some sort of multi-use, just because soccer was not an American game. You know, yeah, yeah, and exactly. it's it, it it one of the joys of watching the Premier League to me is just the beautiful fields that they're playing on. They just look like they are pristine. <laughs> And that was disturbing to me to watch that. I know it's a it's a small matter, and it was just one game, uh, but to me, it ruined the Man City Tottenham game. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, like I said, hopefully this doesn't happen now that the Tottenham's moving to their new stadium at some point. Wembley just won't be used because it, it's a it's a multifunctional stadium. It's used. Right. They had the Anthony Joshua boxing match the before, and it was in bad shape before that, and so then. You throw a football game on top of it, it just makes it even worse. And they have lots of concerts there, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so let's talk about that Man U Everton game because that was a, a fairly good game on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to see that one? I did. I did. So here's my th- here's my thing about the Man U team. When they play Pogba up a little further up, which they were doing uh, in this game, they look like a different team. He he yeah. and Martial work so well together and play so well together. It's just a it's a joy to watch them too when they go to the left side or the right side, whatever side that they're on. 
Um, uh, and then when he goes back in, in the back, he kind of disappears, Pogba, for, you know, yeah. 15, 20, 25 minutes at a time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think he's so much better when he's playing a little bit more forward. There's probably an, um, a little bit less stress on him as a player because I think he doesn't have to do as much defending. And right. I don't think he's a very good defender, period. Right. Um, and But like you said, I mean, he can connect passes. He has this awe about him, uh, as you could even see from that penalty kick. I know we'll chat about that yeah. in a second. But <laughs> it was just one of those things where – he can connect, and Martial has, you know, he's, he seems to score those same types of goals. Cuts inside, yeah. hits it with the inside of his foot, and finds that bottom corner. And against a good goalkeeper, against the England goalkeeper, you know, so he was able to smack that one into the corner. It was a really pretty goal because the angle behind, you could see how he curved it in. There's no way to stop that ball. No, no, definitely not. Uh, yeah, he, he is, you're right, he's got that one shot just completely perfected. He's now done it, I think, in three three games in a row. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got five goals in his last seven games. So, yeah, yeah he's turning into a prolific goal scorer. Yeah, well, I guess they the, they are both Frenchmen, right? Uh, Pogba and, and Martial, they probably have known each other for a while. Um, yeah. But let's talk about that penalty kick. So, uh, <laughs> early on, so I, first of all, I think it was a bad call on the penalty to give him the penalty and uh, that Martial is took is taking, I mean that uh, Martial was called for. Yeah. Pogba took the uh, penalty kick, but then the <laughs> lead up to the penalty kick, uh, I, I went to the grocery store. I stopped by the dry cleaners. <laughs> I smoked a cigar. Uh, you know, I, I, I folded all my laundry and he still hadn't gotten to the ball yet. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> what is the deal with that penalty kick? So, yeah, he's such an attention seeker. It's yeah. all about him. You know, I think, and I think that's probably why they, him and Jose clash so much because it's, he just wants to be the center of attention. I think they said it took him 28 steps <laughs> to get to the ball. They were counting. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then it was saved. And, and it was saved. I missed it. Great save too. Yes. I mean, it was. I mean, he's going one way, catches it, hits it with the right hand, and then he just nonchalantly the ball comes back and just sides footed in for the rebound. So, yeah. I mean, I give him credit for for doing that. But my God, what 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 is he playing at? I just I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> I know. All right. So so let's talk about uh, the West Ham Leicester game for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I know that you're a, a big fan of defense and <laughs> and the West Ham team first of all they go down a man early on uh red card um but then that game they that the the way they organized that defense was very impressive don't you think yeah no I I think uh with the way that they're able to kind of sit back and kind of let them absorb and then just be able to try and catch them on the counter it's really a skill I mean, a lot of coaches are very good at doing it. And um, to be to be fair, you know, West Ham's manager, Pellegrini, he's probably a little bit more defensive-minded at times, and he, and he did a good job of kind of absorbing what was going on. Uh, yes, because it's a, it's a coordinated effort. You, you need to all be moving at the same time to pull an offside strap off. And it all, all it takes is one person not paying attention for one second, and boom, it's a goal. It's yes. a it's a high risk, high, very dangerous 
uh, way of defending at times. But uh, and I don't know what the what the secret to it was. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just the coaches, you know. Yeah, concentrating I think. Yeah, a lot of it's done on the training field, the organization, you know, and sometimes, you know, you know, I know even myself as a coach, there would be times when we would actually play down a man just because of those types of a situation. So sometimes they they understand that, you know, they get in their two blocks, you know, a block of four and another block of four. You know, and then, uh, you know, maybe that one striker that could potentially kind of unleash if they're able to do it. Um, and on, with Arnautovic, the, the Austrian striker, who's, who's extremely good, they could, they've always got a person that could break them down on a counterattack. But you see it a lot. Um, you'll see it a lot in the Champions League where teams are just kind of blockaded in and then they're trying to kind of catch teams on the counter. And really, the funny thing is, that's how Leicester won the league a few years ago. They kind right. of did that. Yeah, you know, point. So it was kind of, you know, their own medicine, give them a little bit of their own medicine type of thing. So, yeah, and they I agree. kept falling for it over and over and over again. I think yes. they were called offsides 10 times. That's, yeah, it was a lot. Great. It was a lot. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, that, that was a big part of the, the story of the game. But, obviously, you know, all the post post stuff probably took post-match stuff uh, took more of the precedent of what happened. Yeah, why don't you uh, explain to everyone uh, a little bit about, so there was a helicopter crash after the game, and the owner of Leicester was on the helicopter. Yeah, just really kind of a freak accident. Um, You know, typically the owner of of Leicester would normally get in the helicopter and head home after the game, or kind of a nice little privilege of what it is, but unfortunately, um, you know, there was a, a crash within the helicopter, and uh, he was on board. Uh, there was another, I think the, the two pilots were also killed. I think there was four total people, I think, that were, were killed in the uh, in the helicopter crash. But a lot of people haven't spoken too much about it. But um, they're giving a lot of credit to the pilots because of how they were able, they lost control for whatever reason. I don't know if they have the full uh, synopsis as to why and how this happened yet. But they're giving the pilots a lot of credit because they were able to kind of steer the the helicopter towards the parking lot where there wasn't many people. So it could have been a lot worse. It really could have been a lot worse. So they were able to kind of steer it to where there was just cars and, you know, uh, in the parking lot type of thing. And uh, fortunately, you know, there wasn't more people that were, that were severely injured or killed during the uh, during this terrible tragedy. So yeah, kind of a, a tough day, a tough day for Leicester City. No and question. I believe they've can't. Yeah, I, I believe they've cancelled all of their games for this week. And uh, and definitely there'll be a lot of stuff on the news. I'm sure about it. Could you talk a little bit about what that uh, what that owner meant to that town? Because um, when he took over. Uh, as the owner, they were still in a lower division. I mean, he he really it was beloved in, in Leicester City, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he put everything. He put his time and money into it. Um, I, I couldn't even try to pronounce his name. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. But... <laughs> obviously, I'm not saying it either. <laughs> it's a tough one, but um, you know, under his under his leadership, you know, he was able to you know just basically move that team along i mean and also to win the league i mean this was unprecedented in what he did uh he would put his own money into it um 
He ended up, there was times where he would do little things for the fans that was probably unprecedented. I think at one game, he bought all of the, the fans' beer, <laughs> I mean, which is unprecedented. Well, you know, if you want to make English, people happy. English fan, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a you're losing money as soon as you do that. Yeah. There's no question. I mean, the English fans like their beer. There's no question. Uh, but um, but he, they probably say, I think they're saying that he was probably the best owner of a club just yeah. because of all the support, how he would actually go down and meet with the fans, talk with the fans. Um, and you could tell by even some of the, um, the, the after effects in terms of how the players were so, you know, so solemn and, and, and really terribly upset because he had that great relationship. So, which is totally different. And I think, when they interviewed fans, I saw a lot of stuff with fans after the games and talking about their players, and talking about the the owner, about how great he was. And that doesn't always happen because no, you know, <laughs> no, that's for sure. You know, you know how it is. I mean, you can. There's there's a lot of a lot of people complaining about owners, especially if you you know in American sports, the first people to complain about uh, that's what they do. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, an unbelievable you know, tragedy terrible for for the city uh but he'll definitely go down as um, certainly his legacy will definitely be remembered for for bringing some championship trophies to leicester city and all the money he put into that club and winning the premier league when they won that a couple of years ago that was like the equivalent of the chicago cubs winning the world series it was uh it it, it it's hard to explain how much of an upset that was isn't it yeah yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess in some respects it was probably bigger than the Cubs win because at least the Cubs uh, financially probably had the money. They had the, the 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 leverage to do that. Leicester, they had a good amount of money, but certainly they wouldn't be classified as being a, a top six type of a team where the money was flowing. Right. Uh, so the the owner really kind of put in his, his hard work money. I mean, he was – no question. He was a billionaire. He still had a good chunk of money. Right. But he wasn't just throwing out money just like he did it. Um, but he bought the club for $39 million and he's probably it's probably you know triple, quadrupled in, in, in the amount of what it is. So a lot of credit has got to be given to him and, and what he's done for, for that club and for the city. Okay, let's talk about uh, Fulham, uh, which yeah. is uh, a new team to the Premier League this year. And set a record, so you know, good for them. They set up a set a record, but the record, unfortunately, is most goals given up through their first ten games uh, back in the Premier League. They've given up twenty eight goals already this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good. They got some defensive issues, and and I kind of predicted they would do pretty well this year. So. I'm a little worried for the manager. I'll be honest with you. Jovanovic is he's in a bit of a bit of trouble. So this is, you know, this is the team that's uh, your arch rival. Uh, yeah. Chelsea's your team, and Fulham is their their longtime rival, right? Correct. Yes, absolutely. This is our big local derby, as they uh, as they have in England. So this is the big match. Every time Chelsea Fulham goes against each other, it's a big one. So you should know a lot about this club. And it's time for our quiz, and I'm going to quiz you about Fulham this week, okay? All right. all right, let's give it a shot. All right, I'm going to start with a kind of an easy one. All right, Whew, what that's nickname is not used by Fulham? Okay. okay, the Lily Whites, the Cottagers, 
the hams, the whites. That would be the hams. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I would have been very worried if you got that one wrong. <laughs> All right. So Fulham uh, was the last team that allow, that was allowed to have standing room only sections and their grounds in the Premier League. Right. And that was early part of this century. Uh, they were forced to renovate the following year. So for one year, another team allowed them to share their grounds for the season. Right? Was that team Crystal Palace, Chelsea, Queen's Park Rangers, or Watford? I actually went to see Fulham play at Loftus Road, the home of Queen's Park Rangers. All right. I I suspect you're going to pass this week. So that's very good. You're two for two. Okay. Uh, You know, I like to uh, find out who the supporters are of these these clubs. Which famous actor is a supporter of Fulham? Is it Sean Connery, Hugh Jackman, Liam Neeson? Or Hugh Grant. Oh man, you get me on these ones. I, I don't know. know the actors in there. Yeah, I see. <laughs> I know Hugh Grant. I don't know if Hugh Grant's a Chelsea fan or not, but it was Fulham. It's one of the two. I'm going to go with Hugh Grant. Very good. That's correct. Yeah. Lucky. <laughs> three for three. All right. Which former coach of the English national team was once once the coach of Fulham? Was it Sven Gordon Erickson, Roy Hodgson, Bobby Robson, or Glenn Hoddle? Arguably, probably their best manager. Took him to the uh, the final of the uh, UEFA League, as it was there, the champ or the Europa League, as it was. Roy Hodgson. Very good. Four for four. Um, okay, so here's your last one. Uh, you've passed the quiz. You are uh, now going for an A, a All perfect right. score. I don't know if you've gotten a perfect score on any of these yet, except maybe Chelsea. No. <laughs> so, uh, so here you go. Which American player did not play for Fulham? Mm-hmm. Is it A, Clint Dempsey, B, Eddie Johnson, C, Casey Keller, or D, Brian McBride? I believe that would be Casey Keller. That is incorrect. He did. Oh. He did play for Fulham. Did he really? Yes. Uh, but so did Clint Dempsey. So did Eddie Johnson. And so did Brian McBride. It was a trick question. Oh. And <laughs> they all did. In fact, one time they were all in the same game at the same time. It, with another American, Carlos Bocanegra, they had five wow, yeah. Americans on the pitch at one time, which is uh, still an all-time Premier League record and probably will never be beaten, That's <laughs> my yeah. guess. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't remember. I remember all the other guys, but Casey Keller, I guess I missed that one. I didn't yeah. remember him playing. Did he? Was he there very long? I no, don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. All right. So um, if you'd like to find us, you know, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in. Uh, you can, we are now on Spotify. Uh, if you want to go to the Free Kicks page on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, that's probably the easiest, best place to find us. And go ahead and, uh, Make sure that you uh, uh, subscribe to the show because then it'll just show up there in your in your phone or computer uh, device whenever you like to see it. Um, 
Adam, what's going on over at the uh, Illinois State, uh, the Illinois Youth Soccer Association? Yeah, lots of things going on. So we just finished up the first weekend. So we're right in the midst of our President's Cup and uh, State Cup Fall Championship weekend. So this past weekend was a very busy weekend with um, finals of the President's Cup, Illinois Cup, and then quarterfinals and semifinals. So I'm just going to give a little shout out to the winners real quickly for the President's Cup. So for the 04 girls, and this was mostly the girls because the girls are playing right now. Obviously, all the boys, the older high school boys are playing high school soccer. Hopefully, the good ones are still playing. Right. Um, so 15U, 04 was the Fire Junior City. Congrats to them. 16U, 03, Illinois Premier Aces Blue. These were the champions. 17U, 02, Fire Juniors West. 18U, Strikers Fox Valley Premier. That was the 01 group. And then in the older group, the 19U to, uh, 2000s, FC Lake County were the champions. And then our Illinois Cup champs at the 16 and under was the AT Eagles. So those were all the President's Cups. So all those teams will go on and represent Illinois in the regionals and then go on hopefully to potentially get to the national championships. There may be some chances for some wild cards as well. And then this weekend, we've got the State Cup Finals which is always an exciting time. So this is the, the premier group. So we've got uh, the 15s, 16s, 17s, 18s, and 19 girls going on this weekend. Uh, so they'll be claiming state cup championships and then hopefully heading on to regionals and, uh, and then on to nationals as well. So exciting times there, busy. And then uh, also just a quick plug of our uh, upcoming workshops. We've got a our modern soccer coaching workshop with Gary Kaneen, who's got a big following on Twitter, and Craig Harrington, both with the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, so we're going to have a workshop that's going to be Sunday, November the 11th. Uh, the, every, anybody can sign up through our website. Just go to IllinoisYouthSoccer.org. Uh, love to have some coaches there. We've still got some spots available. So if you uh, want to get a full day of, uh, of learning, some coaching education with two of the assistants with the Red Stars, and then I may throw in five cents as well. Uh, should be pretty good. All right. So uh, best of luck to, uh, again, congratulations to all the teams that are doing well in the President's and State Cup. Uh, it's time for uh, my DVR setting moment, uh, so let me get to the audio. Now time for Adam's Weekend Soccer TV Tip. All right, Adam, tell us what we uh, what we should be looking for on television this week. Yeah, so we've got a couple of good games here this weekend. So uh, I'm going to kind of give you two TV tips. Uh, right. So I think the first one on Saturday is going to be a great game. I think it's probably going to be one of the better games of the year. Arsenal versus Liverpool. It's going to be a fantastic game. That's the later game on Saturday. And then I'm going to throw in for uh, on Sunday as well that we would highly recommend you watch uh, Chelsea Crystal Palace. Uh, should be a good game. Chelsea's playing really well right now. Great 4-0 win over this past weekend. Yeah. So I think it's they're, they're definitely a team to watch. And that was uh, all the players and scored some really nice goals. Ross Barkley. Uh, coming through, who's kind of been out in the wilderness a little bit, hasn't played much, and uh, starting to play really well. It was funny. I heard something on the on the radio this morning when I was driving in 
that uh, he they were saying last week he was useless. This week he's world class. I, I don't know how you uh, how you go from useless to world class in a week, but uh, Ross Barkley has been able to do that. But I suspect yes. he wasn't actually useless. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But he has come out. I mean, he's really starting to really play really well, especially because he he's had some struggles the last few years. So I'm excited for him, and uh, it's always good that a, a good young English player coming through. Hopefully he'll be a big part of the English team in the future. So so two good ones, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Chelsea, Crystal Palace. And Arsenal, they're back basically, right? Does, doesn't it feel like that? Seems like it. You know, they're, they're right there um, knocking on the door in terms of being at the table. They're in fourth spot. They've got the Champions League spot. They're yeah. above Tottenham, just like it used to be, right? So, right. Uh, you know, that's, that's how it is. But, yeah, they're, they're doing really well. Um, the new managers kind of got things going pretty well, and uh, Meza Ozil's playing well for them. Although this last game wasn't great, but uh, right. uh, he seems to have all the players firing at the right time. That so, guy yeah, is, you know, I, I'm a I'm a German soccer fan, and I've been following yeah. him uh, his whole career, and he is one of the most talented soccer players in the world. And at yeah. any moment, he could be the best man on the pitch. And at any moment, he can suck yeah. <laughs> I mean, and just completely disappear. You're absolutely right. And I think this past weekend was a good example. The previous weekend, he was the best player on the field. This past weekend, you didn't even see him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's he's very inconsistent, and that's the frustrating part. For and so one last but, thing I wanted to ask you. We, so we're, we just finished week 10. Um, there are three teams that have still not lost. Yeah. That's pretty unusual, isn't it, for this late in the season? Definitely, definitely, yeah. I know um, back in the day they had – the only team that's gone completely unbeaten was Arsenal, uh, the uh, the team that went the whole season. Right. You know, you've got three teams now that could potentially do it, you know, 10 games in. I mean, we've still got – we played 38 games, so we've still got a long way yeah, to go. Yeah, no, I know, but still. But, but still, ten, it's pretty good. Weeks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right because of the parity of the league. And I think this year it's been it's even better. I mean, you've got Man City, Liverpool, 26, Chelsea's at 24, Arsenal, Tottenham, 22. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's right there. It's going to be a close one. So yep. it's going to be an exciting uh, rundown, and especially when you get to Christmas when all those games get a little frantic. That's always the fun time. That's true. If you'd like to know more about Adam and Rick, you can follow us on Twitter, FK with Adam and Rick, and Facebook, Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. You can check out our day jobs. I'm an author and publisher, Eckhart's Press, Eckhart'sPress.com, co-host of the Minutia Men podcast with David Stern. Adam's the technical director and director of coaching for the uh, Illinois Youth Soccer Association. The executive producer of the podcast is Tony Lasano of Opi Productions. We're distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Free Kicks. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? If you missed Los Anno or Los Los Anno and friends, here's what you missed. 
Rokan. I'm Rokan. Do you like to talk about <laughs> politics? I actually don't. Politics, the problem is I'm, I have no problem discussing politics. I just don't like uh, discussing it from that left-right paradigm the way that, that talk radio does it. Right. You know, where most of the, either, you know, the hosts are either, you know, very far to the right or very far to the left. Right. You know, most of them are very far to the right. And I grew up in this business, so I know what the trick is. And this is before talk radio was actually a political force in the 1980s. Yeah. I would say that two-thirds of the conservative talk shows in America don't believe anything that they're saying. Yeah. They're doing it solely to agitate so they can get phone calls. Right. There's a couple things that worry me about the future. I'm, I, this is, I'm getting to be an old man because it's like, I all of a sudden, you know, back in my day, we didn't have <laughs> Armenian girls having sex with black guys. <laughs> you know, <I'm> like, what? <laughs> what are they talking about? You know, I don't know. And this is not against, you know, the uh, Republicans or conservative philosophy because I, I happen to vote Republican more than I do Democrat, right. but I, I vote for both. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a centrist. I could yeah. see both sides and I decide who's, who's got the better idea at that moment right. that I think is going to be better for the future. It's not always the same thing. It's not always right. some sort of dogma. The left dogma doesn't make any sense to me, and no. most of the right stuff doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I've always said MSNBC and Fox News, neither of them are news channels. They're no, entertainment no, no. channels. Oh, and it's that's, all entertainment. But people perceive it because they put the label news on it and present it like news. Right. And it's like, no, it's just talking points. The Federal Trade Commission should do something about that. It is completely entertaining. And I've worked in cable news, yeah. and I use that term loosely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I worked with Glenn Beck. I know you think God. that Glenn Beck oh my gosh. has any... I was his fill-in when he was at CNN. Yeah. To bring this around full circle, he was a morning DJ in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Glenn... Yeah. As a showman, I mean, he's he, he didn't get in this for the right. politics of it. Right, right. Yeah. I think Rush truly believes what he says. Though. Really, I do. I yeah. always thought of him as more of an entertainer uh-uh. than anything. No, wow. I think he really believes it, mm. and he's very he's entertaining at doing it. He's yeah. very entertaining at doing and it, and he could do it without calls. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the point. Yeah. That's what very I'm few guys can do that. Right. There's everybody in, in conservative talk radio has a first and last name. That's like the same thing: Hugh Hewitt <laughs> and uh, like Lou Lewis. And there's guys. I mean, literally, there are guys that yeah. you know, Tom. Thompson. It's like, really? You think we're that stupid? We can't remember your name? That you have to name yourself twice? Assholes. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever it's called.